podcast. This is episode five. I'll be your host, Jack, or you can find me at Jack Zini on Twitter, J-V-C-K-Z-I-N-I. Today, I'm joined by just Joe again. Ollie says he'll be back next week. We'll see how true that is because he says he's going to the game, but you can find Joe at 72 Naif Polestar. As always, um, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Uh, Still pretty high after the Arsenal game, Uh, so... Yeah, really, really promising stuff from the boys this weekend. Yeah, we usually record on Sundays, but doing it on a Monday this week, having some technical difficulties that have hopefully been all figured out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a crazy performance. I expected absolutely nothing from that game, and then after 10 minutes, like, kind of praying it's not five or six, let alone actually get something from the game, but... They showed resilience for the first time in a while. It was really a vintage West Ham under Moyes performance. Yeah, and I mean, speaking to that, if you would have told me at the twenty-minute mark when uh, when they scored their second, that they scored that the like second 10. at nine minutes, dude. Oh, jeez. Well, regardless, if you would have told me after the second goal went in that we'd both agree that this was the performance of the season, I'd probably call you crazy. But that was. That was by far, like, like you said, vintage uh, Moyes era performance. We were winning the ball high up. We were pressing them. They were rattled, and not only did we, uh, you know, create chances, we like sustained pressure after, after their second goal went in. After the, and then uh, we got the penalty. It was all us until the end of the game, really. Yeah, once Saeed scored, they had no answer for us or the high press. They were very clearly nervous. Um, their penalty was against the run of play. It was ridiculous and, like, really a nothing penalty. Like, obviously it's a penalty, but, like, it's from nothing. It's not in a position of too much danger. Uh, and I think the stat was after the two goals when in the last 80 minutes it was 1.84 xG to 0.46. And... I mean, excluding the penalty, obviously, but this is almost comfortable against the maybe champions. Definitely one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world. Um, so, yeah, extremely special performance. Uh, so there's a lot of players to single out this week. Personally, I'm going to start with Jared Bowen because we've talked about that the performances have really been good post-World Cup and, like, that the goals just aren't there, and it's really not his fault. He's more due than anything else. I mean, talk about being due. I mean, you put the ball on target and good things happen. That's what he does. Ramsdale should save that, but he takes it quick, and he catches it well. And, like, that's what happens when you put pressure on the opposing team's goals, which we didn't do last Thursday, which we'll get to. Yeah, I actually didn't realize how bad of a you know attempt to save that was until I saw it after the game. I saw a different angle. He actually did get a hand on it and uh, wasn't able to. The angle from behind the goal is embarrassing. I mean, like Ramsdale, I'm not going to sit here and call him a bad keeper, but from a shot stopping standpoint, he's streaky at best, in my opinion. He's very, very regular when it comes to just, you know, the like primary job of a goalkeeper, which is to stop goals from going in. Well, I mean, for them, like, I would. I mean, obviously, the primary job of any goalkeeper is to keep the ball out of the net, but like for them, I do understand the need of a goalkeeper like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does a good job at what he does, but his 
distribution was pedestrian uh, on Sunday. Yeah, nightmare. Great. I mean, which is probably down to our press in a big way. Like, we didn't make it comfortable for him. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just him either. The whole – all of Arsenal had a really difficult time progressing the ball through the lines. I mean, it was – like like I said earlier, it was us sustaining the pressure and not them. And that's – they, besides, like, playing City, like, they really have not experienced that. Yeah, I mean, they looked under pressure with the ball, without the ball. Ramsdale in particular, like, every corner, like, was so shaky from him. Like, I'm honestly kind of surprised we didn't score from a corner because he did not look comfortable dealing with balls into the box at all. Yeah, between between the set pieces, the corners, and the and the throw-ins from uh, Kufal, um, they were they didn't know what to do. Gabrielle was – Gabrielle and Holding, for that matter, were getting – Walked around by by Antonio that they, they couldn't get near him. It was it was unbelievable. And I guess be- before we get to Antonio, uh, I want to just say my piece about Bowen. Um, one thing that I did like from Bowen's performance was that he was so aggressive, is that he was running at players, and um, you know just being a big part of getting in and around the box and um, him and Antonio combining. Um, it was it was just a great performance all around, and then I just and then I was uh, you know obviously glad to see him get rewarded with the goal. Yeah, but he's been he, that way. Not to cut you off, but he's been that way for the last few weeks. I mean, I don't think that you would disagree, but like, it's nice to see him finally get rewarded with the goal because like the running has been more positive and direct and going forwards, and like he's just been more ambitious and positive overall. And every week it seems to get better. I mean, I remember. Uh, he's really the only player who showed anything in that Tottenham game this year. Mm-hmm. He's so isolated and like, what's that video? He tried and he tried and he tried. Um, like he did. I would say that he's been trending in this direction, but this is definitely his best. Like in terms of aggression, this was like what we've been waiting for for a really long time. I mean, every time he saw one person in front of him, it was you know he's driving right at him. I mean, a vintage Moyes performance includes a vintage Jared Bowen performance. It has to. And speaking of players who are back and put in vintage performances, Antonio and Kufal, man. I mean, Kufal in particular is back. Um, that right back is something different, man. Let me tell you. That, that right back, is, he wins the ball back. He's brilliant. <laughs> um, but Antonio, that's the best game I've seen Antonio play for us since Lyon, maybe? Yeah, it definitely. Which is a definitely- year. You're definitely talking about sometime last season. Yeah, you're, you're talking about 12 months ago because I can't remember a game down the end of last season where he was that good. Like, obviously, he had better performances than he's had over the course of this season. Like, And, like, Frankfurt, those games, even though I've, like, tried to wash them out of my memory as best I can, he, um, you know, wasn't nothing. But he he was he looked so fit. He was fast. He was quick. He looks so positive. Like he was playing with that swagger that he plays with that we haven't seen him play with in probably around a year now. It wasn't only refreshing to see, but he um it was surprising to see, really. Cause I never thought we'd see a performance like that. I know that we were talking and I would say I was more confident in seeing a few more goals from him than ever seeing a performance like that again. Yeah, I mean I guess maybe it's because of watching Ings for so long 
Uh, but I, I have been uh, finding myself more appreciative of Antonio's presence uh, in the past few weeks. And I think other than the Fulham performance, he's been sort of uh, trending in this direction. Um, I mean, you know, I think the Fulham performance was better than you think it is. Yeah, I mean, the main problem was not being able to progress from the middle third to the final third. And I, if, you know, I, I blame Antonio for not receiving the ball. I don't know how you feel about Fornals, but I would assume that... I thought he played well. I just didn't think that Antonio struggled as much. I mean, anybody's going to struggle next to Ings. But like you were saying, having a striker who doesn't do anything and doesn't get involved will, at the very least, make you appreciate the idea of Antonio. Mm-hmm. And when you see the idea of Antonio come to fruition, it's, you know, I don't think anybody can argue with that. Yeah, I mean, he was just, he was just a beast out there. There's just no other way to describe it he he gave them he gave them help and he was reaching max speed which we haven't seen even before i I, we have not seen that speed in so long even when he was good he wasn't doing that and i i've I've kind of given up on him ever scoring goals for for us consistently but i've always you know held out hope that he can give us something like that every once in a while and he gave it to I still think the speed is gone. I think that, like, because, like, where did that come from? Like, he hasn't shown the ability to hit speeds like that since 2018. Like, like you were saying, like, he's still obviously fast, especially when he gets at full speed um, the last few years. But, like, look quick. He just looked so at it. There's really no other way to describe it than he was really up for that game. And thank God he was because we needed every little bit of it. Yeah, I mean, we definitely don't win that game without him. We didn't win that game. I mean, we don't we don't get a point. I'm sorry without. No, him. yeah, I'm playing. Um, but yeah, like speaking of games we won, it was very reminiscent of Chelsea two, West Ham three, West Ham three, Liverpool two, and that could have very easily been West Ham three, Arsenal two. Absolutely. I mean, he hit the bar. I mean, it's a tough angle, but like, it was like yeah, it was possible. I'm not. Um, obviously, neither of us are blaming Antonio for for that. But, you know, what could have been? Yeah, I mean, if if there was a winner that day, it was going to be us, which mm-hmm. is crazy to think. And it's crazy that we got the result on the back of such a positive performance. Like, the pressing was probably – I mean, I would say it's the best the pressing has looked all year. I mean, one of the goals came from pressing high, definitely the which they always seem to do. And, I mean, Rice, I've said it before, he's the best presser in the team. But he's the best at everything in the team, it seems to be. Yeah. Like, but like him and Fornals, I think, press and Bowen just cause so many problems when they press teams. And I think uh, I think we we saw exactly what we were missing with Paqueta uh, on on Thursday and against Fulham. He was, I mean, he was just so good at you know keeping plays alive, retaining possession, uh, like converting possession into shots. Um, he um he started that move for the when Antonio hit the bar. He, I think he didn't, he like picked up the ball. It was like sort of a 50-50. He kind of got passed in a no man's land, I think, by like Suchek. Mm-hmm. Um, and he won the ball, skipped past the player and played it out to Benrama, who then had the shot blocked, but then he picked it up, which by the way, he bodied Rob Holding. Yeah, that was I not know that was in his locker. Holding wanted no part of anybody in that front three. And then that cross, what a ball. That's the second time this year Benrama's putting a cross like that. Uh, for it to hit the post because Chelsea away when Cornet hit the bar. 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it's definitely gone under the radar considering that we don't really finish chances just in general. But He has four big chances created this year. Maybe it's five after yesterday, but like that's not a big number at all. I think it shows how bad we've been, but yeah, he's been crucial to us. Because how many of those actually turn into assists? How many of those even happen? That's a very good question. Um, but yeah, I thought Paqueta really grew into the game, especially after the goal. Second half, he was great. Suchek, second half, you know, props. He was not a passenger like he was in the first half. I mean, two completed passes in the half is crazy. But hey, he had double-digit passes attempted in the second half. He completed 83% of his passes. It's about quality, not quantity. I've always said that. Yeah, man. But he, you know what? He did his job, thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's still should not be starting games for us next year or this year or tomorrow or just like yeah whenever yeah thursday yeah <laughs> tomorrow the next day the day after that um but props to him for putting in a performance and speaking of players who have underperformed tilo career was great it's probably his best game at center back since villa oh definitely I would think I would say it's probably just his best performance in general. He was he was great, and that's two assists in in, in two starts for Career as well. Is it really? Yeah. Who was the last one? Um, oh, was it the Aguirre goal? Yeah. Yeah, and then um, he didn't have the assist against Newcastle, did he? No, 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 no. He didn't. But he uh, he was really good against Newcastle. Um. The one-one draw, not the other game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody was good. I mean, he didn't play. Yeah, thank God. If he played, he could have been seven. <laughs> but he, uh, he was great, incredible. I mean, he's such a great guy. He seems to have like he's really likable. He's got a really good attitude. He's like somebody that you want to root for. So it sucks when he's not getting the job done. And people are probably gonna say Suchuk's also somebody great to root for. I disagree. We don't have to get into the reasons why anybody disagrees with that. But Suchek is not that great of a guy to root for. But Carrera, you know, like the minute he's got here, he's shown how much like he loves it and he wants to win. And he just care he plays for the badge, and it's all you can really ask for. It's true. And you know, he is he is like, you know, not a physically imposing player. We all know that, but I think most of his issues come down to his confidence. And because when he makes a mistake, he gets down on the ball. He get you know, he gets down on himself. And then on the ball, he he starts taking less chances. Starts playing like he stops. He stops playing the more riskier passes, which is really his best quality is playing those forwards passes. But I feel like yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, he well he was actually starting to like play those passes that he was playing in the beginning of the year, um, which is I I would say why he's so effective and you know defending on the front foot. Um, Things like that. The one he played against Tottenham when Antonio hit the post comes to mind mm-hmm. as like the kind of. But I think uh, his game is at its best when his confidence is high. So because he's at his best when he's taking risks and the risks are coming off. Yeah. Because since he's not physically imposing, he has to take those risks both without the ball. He has to dive in a lot. And when he's diving in and winning the ball back, he looks like this athletic freak who cannot be stopped. But when. He's not winning the ball. It's really gross and it's really ugly. And then if he's not taking risks on the ball, he's not really offering you anything with the ball. 
And then it's like, now you just have a six foot center back who's playing timid. Yep. Um, and I think his other biggest issue, we've talked about this, is that he just seems to be caught in between positions. He doesn't, like, he's not, he's a little too short to be a center back and too mistake prone. He's too stiff to be a right back and he's not a good one on one v one defender out wide. I really care what anybody says out wide, like one v one against wingers. He struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird with him because he can put a damn good ball into the box, especially when it's stationary. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it. Uh, in his past two starts, but I, I do agree. It's it's hard to pinpoint which position is best for him right now, and it definitely doesn't. You know, not to harp on the manager after such a good performance, but um, I wouldn't really trust Moyes with the with the task of assigning a position to him, considering he still hasn't really found one for Ben Johnson either. Um, yeah, the Ben Johnson thing is weird. I just think it's about game time with him more than anything. Uh, I think Tilo's best position has got to be a center back in a back three, so he has that protection. But, you know, if he can make it work in a four, his passing is a damn good uh, weapon to have because he can slice teams open. He played a few balls yesterday trying that almost came off, didn't come off. There's one that Ben Rama that he tried that didn't quite come off. But so what, that that's what his game is. And if we get games like that yesterday, he started a move, he turned somebody – uh, like really took a risk, but so what the thing is with him, it's risk reward. Mm-hmm. I mean, he survived in a back four against the one of the most prolific attacks in the world. So yeah, it might be something to look into. You know, in, in the coming weeks and months uh, that we have left in the season, has he earned the start at center back for you at the Vitality next week or? Would you start him in the back four against Ghent on Thursday? Has he done enough? Hmm. I think one of the center backs is out for a while is what I read. I don't know if they both had knocks, but I thought I read one had a knock and one was out. But I could just be completely off base. I'm going to Gwerd and Zuma. Gwerd and Agbana. Yeah, right. Um, well, Agbana is ineligible for Thursday anyway. Um, Gwerd, even though he's been trending downwards... Uh, in terms of his his form, I still think he's he's just indispensable in in that back line. I I, I still go with him even with his bad form, to be honest. I think I would play um Aguirre and Carrere on Thursday, even though it it is a risk playing Aguirre against Orban because he's gonna cause problems. Mm-hmm. Or Urban, I don't know how to say his name. And I I honestly hesitate to say that like. Aguirre is a mistake-prone player. I think that he's just like in a weird funk right now. Well, we talked about this. Um, I forget if it was in a space or in a pod, but these are the risks that you take with ball-playing defenders is like they're going to make mistakes. I uh, talked about Aguirre, and I compared it to Ederson, mm-hmm. who as great as he is with the ball, makes a decent amount of mistakes and some glaring ones. And it's kind of the thing that you have to live with, but – the position that we're in, we don't really have the quality or the time or the cushion to live with these mistakes. And I think Aguirre just also hit a little bump in confidence, but he'll be all right. I have really nothing but confidence in him. Yeah, I, I, I'm i going back to him personally. I think, I think yeah, Aguirre and Carrere on Thursday. Or maybe, you know what? I, I, second leg. High score, um, you know, one one going into it. I probably would play Zuma on Thursday. 
You think so? I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I mean, this is we're four points clear of the relegation zone now. We should go and win this game. Yeah, this is. I just think it's not even about resting for the Premier League. I just think Zuma's played a lot of football. He's played midweek for the past few weeks. Well, he didn't. Did he play against uh, again last week? Yeah, he did. I see. Wait, did he? He must have. I think he definitely did. I think it was him and Obama. Well, I still think, you know, he's just our our best defender at this moment. Um, and he's got to play. It's our most important game. He's our most important center back. I think it's just as simple as that. He actually didn't play against Ken. I was just going to say it was a back three, wasn't it? Uh, and it was Johnson, yeah. Ogbonna, and Aguirre. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, yeah, play him. Yep, he's got to play for me. Um, and, hey, if Aguirre's still hurt, then then roll with career. I don't really know what you do, but whatever you do, you have to win the game. Yeah, I mean, this season goes from salvageable to a disaster with a, with an unfavorable result on Thursday. So Yeah, if, if we don't go through on Thursday, the season's a disaster no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of Zuma, he's the best center back at the club. I think he's proven that at this point. Garrett, obviously, next season with a full preseason and like another year in England, can very easily take him for that position just because the talent is obviously there. But I think Zuma is just so reliable when he's healthy. And I think sometimes he gets unfair stick from fans because I think whenever he's on the pitch, he's great. People, I think he's become underappreciated for us personally. I think at one point that's that was true, but I think he's had like a, a spell now where he's been pretty much injury free now, and he has been emerging as one of our most important players on the team sheet. I think people are starting to realize his importance, and that even though you're bound to get an, uh, an injury every season with him, um, it's it's really worth it because if if he wasn't getting these injuries, he'd probably be at a better club than ours. Personally, well, one thing I'll say is I don't think I've seen that much praise for him personally. I feel like it all comes from me sometimes or you. Maybe, but Yeah, maybe it's just um, what will drive that narrative. But the other thing with him is that I would say his two injuries this year, I can't even chalk up to being his fault because there's the one at Leicester where he got hurt in the warm-up and then Moyes risked him. Mm-hmm. With Aguero on the bench, who was available to play 75 minutes because he played 75 minutes, so he could have played 90. Um, I can't remember the other center back who started that game. Dawson. It was, Agu- it was Dawson. Was Aguana available? Um, I don't know. But either way, Aguero was on the bench, so I think it was very stupid, like not even going to say silly, very stupid to risk your best center back who you know has injury problems. Oh, like World Cup breaks coming up, whatever. Yeah, the World Cup break saved his ass because we would have gone through the entire Christmas period without Zuma. And he still missed the month after after the World Cup. And then he rushed him back the second time for the Everton game, and he played great, but he got hurt again. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, like, these issues still happen because he has injury problems, but I have a hard time. I mean, obviously, it's never someone's fault if they get hurt, but, like, 
I think he's been dealt a really tough hand with injuries this year, particularly. Yeah, and it this is one of like the first times in a really long time where it doesn't look like he's like actually playing through something. Yeah, he looks he looks good because he he's a lot of the time you see him limping around the pitch and you think is he even going to be available next game? Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, you can't fault anybody that played. Uh, there's probably a few we forgot to mention. I, like I Cresswell think, was good. I think we we should probably spend more time talking about football. I mean, I I feel like this is multiple weeks in a row that we've had the just commiserate about this guy, but he's he's been incredible. Well, but this is this is the beauty of Kufal though is he gets to this point when he's playing well, it's just consistently solid. They're just like okay, like that's what he does. Like I would love a Vladimir Kufal who we mentioned for 10 seconds and we're just like another good performance and that's it. Cause that's what he was. And you know, like there's a time and a place to praise him, but like, it's just that sureness that he used to bring us that hasn't been there, whether it's because of injury or dip in form that's seemed to be back the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I feel like he among others were really instrumental in after conceding the first two goals, kind of just getting our composure back getting our foot back on the ball. And being like, okay, like, can we get something from this? The old guard is always ready. The old guard, man. It really was the old guard. Uh, yet again on Sunday, was it? Yeah, I mean, this is what they do mm-hmm. with a little help from from Paqueta. Uh, it- yeah, but it's about having those guys out there to help get that resilience and that character that we've had the last two years into those new players. Because I think maybe. Like, we've played well with a lot of the new guys out there, but when we do go to goal down with a lot of them out there, it does seem like heads seem to drop because at the end of the day, they just haven't been through it together like mm-hmm. a lot of these other guys have been. I mean, these other players have been through, you know, down a man at halftime in a European quarterfinal. They've been they've won games coming from behind against Chelsea at home last year when they were top of the league when we beat them, actually. You yeah. know, they, they drew with City... Last year they were up two nil. Like these guys have been through a lot together, and I think you know the only thing that forms that trust and resilience is experiences, and that's what um, the game against Arsenal is going to be for you know guys like Paquette. It's an experience to build off of, and to you know give that confidence that we can do it. Yeah, I agree. Like that the old you know the old guard does bring that that mentality that we can always get back into a game. And I don't even think that's a, a knock on any of the new signings and their um, mentality. I, I do agree with what you were saying, that it's like the history that uh, some of these guys have together. And going to... Uh, yeah, it's just about there. building that trust and experience with each other where you like, you know you can rely on the guy next to you to help you get back in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a year ago, we would have been calling them Moisey's mentality monsters. There's exactly. no reason we can't get back to that. Even if it's not under Moisey, they can be Michael Carrick's mentality monsters. I like the I like that I like the sound of that actually. But um, I'm trying to think of anybody else who played well. I, I mean, Fabianski for the soccer penalty. We haven't mentioned the soccer penalty yet. I mean, <laughs> one word. <laughs> How funny is that? One word. Aura. Aura. <laughs> Lucas Fabianski I mean, fa- penalty aura cannot be replicated by the other bum on the bench. Yeah, Ariola can stay as far away. You know, like when Moyes brought on Noble to take that penalty, 
<laughs> if he just brings down Fabianski for penalties, the, the the result will be the same as Nobles, but in our favor. If uh, Moyes, if Moyes did that against Blackburn in the in the uh, in the, in the Carabao Cup, it, things things could have been different. We could have been out there. Things would have been so very different. <laughs> but he, I mean, I think Saka was waiting for him to go the wrong way, and Fab just chose right. And I think, I mean, I said this to you the other day. Overcompensated, tried to place it in the top corner. Yeah, because I mean, Saka's everyone's familiar with Saka's penalty taking at this point. It's uh, been pretty over-examined since Euro twenty twenty. But if you not the country now, it's true. Um, but if you pay attention, a lot of his penalties, he likes to drive them low. And to your point, I think once he saw Fabianski um, go, uh, guess correctly, he tried to adjust and and lift it. And that's where his technique got messed up. Completely overcompensated it because he pushed that so far wide. He's, I mean, he's a great player, though. I know he, you think he could win player of the year. And if they win the league, he's within a shout. It's still got to be Holland for me. But I do love me some Buki Osaka when he's not on the other side. It's. I mean, he was. He certainly was giving us troubles um, before the 2-0. I thought he was terrible. Oh yeah, I mean he he. I didn't think he had any impact on the game whatsoever, really. I mean he was pretty pretty instrumental for. Well, I think maybe it was their first goal. The the first goal he was involved in, he did a decent job. But I thought, I just thought for the most part, because like I think it's also expectations are a lot higher for him now, not just for me, just for everybody. Definitely. Um, I thought that he was a passenger for most of that match. Yeah, I mean. Definitely. And they they need guys like him to take those kinds of games by the neck and make something happen for them. Yeah, he was not available to do that. I'd say I'd say you know what Jared Bowen had a better performance than him. Well, that's the funny part is that Bowen put that goal in four minutes after he missed the penalty after all those nonsense comparisons last year. As much fun as they were, I think we all knew deep down who the better player was. But hey, consider the Jared, Bo- Jared Bowen gets another one. Over Mr. Saka again. The story lives on. I mean, what's that? That's two goals and an assist in Bowen's last three appearances against Arsenal. <laughs> he, does, he, he does love a game against the Big Six, as as m- many of you have seen on our, our Twitter account. Is his record? Yeah, he's awesome, man. Um, Hopefully, Mr. Southgate was watching. South, Southgate better keep an eye on him. He's going to try and get in that Euro squad because he's going to he's going to pop off again next year. He'll be back. It's true. I, I, I have full faith in the guy. I, I really always have. I, yeah, it's pretty silly to doubt him, but he's got to play on Thursday against Ghent, right? At this point, he's... He should play every he, game for the rest of the really season. He's really our only consistently reliable attacker. For what, year... I guess it's only year two in running because Lingard was here, but it'll be this is year three in running, year four in running, really. <laughs> Of he's the only guy who's going to start on the right. There's nobody else who's going to start on the right if the game matters. It's true. It's very, it's very true. Um, you know, I, I, I guess talking about what we want to see on Thursday, um, I'm going to say it again. We've been saying it for so long. I do want to see Maxwell Cornet, uh, you know, get his first start since before his injury. I agree, man. Like I, and I, I think you know, I understand taking it slow with him. But these little six minutes here, 10 minutes here, I get it. But he's got to be ready now. It's been over a month. I'm tired of just getting a taste. 
<laughs> give, give me the whole thing. I want the whole load. Give me the whole load of Maxwell Cornet. But yeah, him and Bowen on the wings would be great. Um, I think I'd play them too. Play Paquetta and Lanzini. Play Antonio again. I think I think it's been really interesting that um, Moyes in his sub in in Cornet's sub appearances has been deploying him as a as a center forward. I think. Do you think that's a, a position that we it's worth exploring? Uh, considering you know Skamaka, we don't know when he's coming back. Ings is useless, and Antonio is inconsistent. I think it's just more of what the game has been called for. I personally would be surprised to see him play a game from the start as a lone striker, uh, maybe in a two. I'd see him from the start. He played there for Burnley a lot last year, but I think it's more just like he sees Antonio getting burnt out and he needs somebody to be an outlet up front and fight and press for the ball, which Cornet is going to do a lot better than Ings, um, obviously. But I would be surprised to see him start a game up there. But hey, maybe Thursday he proves us all wrong if he's lost faith in Ings already. I can't see him giving up this quickly, though. Yeah, I mean, he was a really big advance investment, even though it might be wise to to give up on that dream. Could be his last investment. Maybe. But in his defense, he's gotten the last two Premier League games spot on tactically. Well, does do the last two Premier League games, the fact that he was so spot on, um, does that change your mind at all? And, his prospects of staying. Well, yeah. See that I wanted to ask you that question, but not yet. He would have to do a whole lot to make me think, man, hey, he should stay. And that would honestly probably have to include a pretty reliable source who will remain remain unnamed, um, <laughs> telling us that the players believe in Moyes again. Yeah. Um, because that's that's the biggest thing is that if they buy into the tactics or not and when reports come out from the West Ham source we're talking about X um, that anybody doesn't know that's the West Ham source but when reports come out from him that you know half the squad doesn't know why we're so negative and wants to be on the front foot that's when it gets really weird mm -hmm. I think the bare minimum you and I will definitely agree is that the bare minimum is win the conference league, win me the conference league, and we'll talk. We'll yeah at that point, like win the conference league, and like you can get in the room to like try and convince people that you should keep your job. Yeah, I'm not I'm not analyzing performances until he actually gets that job done. Well, that's the thing though is that I think that Sunday against Arsenal shows why he was the right guy to stick with. Like, I think that the board will look good on this one as of right now, at least in terms of keeping him around to keep us up, because that's at the end of the day, what they want more than anything, um, that they'll be proven right on that. Hopefully. I mean, that could be speaking. Hopefully things can change so quickly in this relegation battle, mm -hmm. especially, but especially when you look at uh, the other replacement managers that have been hired this month obviously we don't have to we didn't have to choose from those guys and those guys were i don't think were the best available but man Deeds, it would have been rafa for us it would have been rafa for been us rafa. i would have preferred rafa over dean smith i would have preferred rafa over dean smith being who you turn to you deserve to be relegated i'm sorry that's it's embarrassing to go to him dean smith 
no offense to any Leicester fans who might be listening, um, but he is he is hum, human white flag in the flesh. Um, I, yeah, I mean, full offense to Dean Smith's ability as a manager. Oh, full offense to Dean Smith. Uh, he should consider um, retiring just so, yeah. <laughs> like, but, do, does he need to have another job that he underperforms in? Does he really need that? You know what he needs to be? He needs to be in a booth talking on television. Yeah. The, the, he, yeah, I completely, he needs to be sitting next to Paul Merson mm-hmm. having a damn conversation. Taking calls for talk sport. Yeah. He should be on talk sport. He, um, I mean, I guess he's gotten teams promoted before, which is what Lester might have in the back pocket. But like, man, that's un, well, uninspiring. I mean, he almost got Villa relegated. He had Villa terrible when he by the time he left. Um, uh, yeah. just, and then like, coach. I always I always get Dean Smith confused with Steve Bruce too. So I'm trying to get the job right. Um, he well, he was at he was at Villa I, I don't want to say Norwich. I was gonna say Norwich. I didn't want to say Norwich and have it be Steve Bruce. No, yeah, but yeah, like I mean, talk about human white flag. There's no more white flag team than Norwich in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You'd think that would be the manager's last stop in the Premier League, but Leicester, I guess, had other ideas. They have ideas of getting relegated. It's true. And then Roy Hodgson, people were people were making fun of that. Uh, that signing, but I mean, he's been better than Dean Smith. He's been better than a lot of managers since he's he's gone on. I mean, at least those players know him and trust him. That's mm-hmm. kind of what we went to when we brought Moyes back. We brought, and then like when we brought him back, the group that we had when we sacked Pellegrini was a group that knew and trusted Moyes. Like Agbana was one of the ones to say that. So you know, if I, it works, it works. I think at this at this stage of the game, Roy Hodgson was the perfect. Um, perfect appointment in hindsight, definitely. But based on the things that you just said, the players know him. More importantly, he knows and trusts the players. Um, he signed Eze, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he you know he trusts Eze to you know play his game. Um, and Eze's got three goals since he came back already. Yeah, uh, Eze and Olise. David Moyes' eye for talent, dude. <laughs> Man, he could he could have been a hammer, and so we ended up with damn Saeed Ben Rama and his penalties. Mm-hmm. Who's been great? That's a joke, but like, yeah, credit to him. I mean, after after he saw the ball hit the net, he was really good. Um, but I mean, Eze is better than him. I don't think that that's any debate. Even after an Achilles injury, mm-hmm. which we've already discussed on, on a previous episode, we've both just been jaw dropped at how good he's been. Post Achilles, I could gush over Eberichi as a forever. I love him as a player. I mean, listeners listening at home, think of any athlete that's ever come back from an Achilles, and compare him to how good Eze has been since his return. And if you're thinking of saying Kevin Durant, look up how many games he's played since he tore his Achilles. And also, There's a specific also, listener that I'm talking to. And also. Click off this podcast and stop listening. It's not for you. Yeah, if if you if you are the listener, you know who you are. You know who I'm talking to. If you're thinking, oh, Kevin Durant came back from his Achilles. Oh, Kevin Durant's in my All NBA teams. Click off the podcast. Unfollow us. <laughs> go outside. I'm coming go for you. Find a therapist. Uh, 
get a job maybe yeah get a job job would be good um reach out to really family good. uh all right we, we need to get off of this let's get back to soccer the the the, the, uh, the the specific man that we are talking about if you can call him that will be on an episode in the future okay but, i was i was honestly wondering who we were talking about but i'm okay now i really stand by what I said. You, you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah kevin duran apologist disgusting be good a time as ever to go around the league and talk about some of these results i feel like this weekend was specifically a crazy weekend for results especially that we waited until today to do the podcast because liverpool and leeds just added another result to talk about mm-hmm. and what the hell is going on at leeds what's going on at leeds is a, a lifetime a lifeline for leicester i mean they just been faster since tyler adams went down you concede 11 goals in two games and during can you imagine that we've gone through phases where we've conceded ten and three, and like I can't feel my face, <laughs> like eleven and two, and Melier conceded eleven goals before making a single save. That was eleven straight shots on target that went in. Do we play them again? <laughs> we do. We do. We do. Let's go, I, dude. Dude, like that's three points in the back. Do not clip that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, that's three points. You have full permission to clip this. Whoever is listening, if any Leeds fan listens to this, that's I'm willing to take that chance. Yeah. Um, they're horrible. They are horrendous. They look embarrassing. Adams is better than McKenney. Um, I yeah, I don't really know what to say about them. It's it's really weird because their squad was built to play for Jesse Marsh, and now he's not there anymore. Uh, yeah, and Jesse Marsh was the right guy to take over from Bielsa, you know, play style wise. I feel like, mm-hmm. but now I don't know what to think about them. Um, I didn't watch the game today, but I watched their performance against Palace, and you know they were good in the first half hour, and then the way that they capitulated was unbelievable. Yeah, and they they went up they went up one nil against Palace. They dominated the first like thirty five minutes. Palace sneak a goal. Um, to right before the end of the half, and then it was from there. What, what did it end up being, like three or four? It was five. Was it not five? It was five, right? Oh, yeah. I, I knew it was something ridiculous. I just didn't remember. Um, yeah. It was 5-1. It was 5-1. The, the floodgates just opened with them. It's, it's, it's unbelievable the way that they're playing. It's, um, I don't know... It's- they're asking to go down playing like this. Mm-hmm. The game, the, their last match before the 5-1 was a 4-1 loss to Arsenal at the Emirates. Christ. So they've conceded 15 goals in three games. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm lying. They beat they beat Forrest uh, midweek after the Arsenal game. But they've conceded 16 goals in four games. Just still unbelievable. And the, Yeah, and there's an outlier in there. So... And I mean, yeah, beating Nottingham Forest, you know. Yeah, I mean that's if you're not doing that, you really shouldn't be in this league. But I mean, and by, by the way, 
they they beat Nottingham Forest like at home, like Nottingham Forest away from home is. Has, have they, have if they beat them, if they beat them at a, is it City Park? I don't even know. Why, why do I not remember the name of their home? Yeah, the City Ground. If they had beaten them at the City Ground, then you know we can talk. But that's also just to cover our own asses for losing there. Mm-hmm. But um, talk about some some diamonds in the rough. Uh, Luis Sinister now is uh, that's two goals in three games for him. Yeah, man, real diamond in the rough. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's he's a good player. I mean, no, no, I know he's it is. A diamond, it's just, diamond. It's just funny to you know praise a player who just lost six one. At the at the time he scored his goal, he uh, he made it a game. It was it was it was two zero. He made it two one. Was it really? Yeah. You know, some clubs are built to come back against these big clubs down 2-0. You know, others, not, not so, much. so much. And those are the teams that go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other results I want to talk about from this weekend. Villa 3, Newcastle 0. I mean, what the hell is going on at Aston Villa? That's another – I mean, in the opposite way. Because, like, I thought that they were on the beach after we played them personally. But they're, they've taken off. They're in sixth. Yeah, I mean, neither of us in our in our predictions have them had them winning as many points as they have currently. Um, yeah, they've been unbelievable. Watkins is on fire. Uh, Emery's got them playing well, and Emery's obviously a good manager. But you know, nothing screams nightmare like Villa in Europa League and Newcastle in the Champions League. Bring me Aston Villa in a European uh, quarterfinal next year, please. That's that's. For an American term, that's barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. Um, you know, that if but if we lost that, I might have to drop off the face of the earth. Yeah. I mean, between between uh Watkins has just been scoring for fun. He's an absolute beast in the channels. Uh, and his finishing has been spot on during this run. Uh, Alex Moreno is a great outlet, uh, a great uh, you know, um he's been having a great connection with um Ali Watkins. Uh, um, Wendy has been playing amazing. Uh, Leon Bailey has finally found his footing in the Premier League, which has been nice to see. And is a nightmare for teams like us. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a physically monster. Monstrous player. Yeah, they're scary, dude. I, you know, never thought they see, because now their fans are just going to start getting carried away. Mm-hmm. Whether it's for trolls and lakes or they're being serious, it's going to be barbaric. Um, some other notable results from this weekend is Brighton 2, Chelsea 1. That Julio and Cecil goal was crazy. Um, Everton lost again, which is big for us. Mm-hmm. Palace Palace and Wolves winning in the relegation battle. Bournemouth being Spurs is big. And, you know, Leicester losing at the Etihad. I don't know if there's any of those that you want to highlight. I think the, I think the most notable game that happened this weekend was ours. I think... That, in in the in the grand scheme of everything, yeah, yeah, in turn, not like taking it uh, the West Ham perspective away from it. That's a, that's huge. That's a huge two points that Arsenal dropped again two weeks in a row now that they dropped uh, points from winning positions. And now that City game is coming up very 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 soon. Yep, April twenty sixth. Yeah, they have Southampton on Friday. They have to win that game, <laughs> Southampton at home. Uh, and then after that, it's Wednesday, April 26th. 
wow. And we play at the same time as them, which is kind of annoying. Well, we played 15 minutes earlier, so we'll catch the end. But it was really annoying. Who we play on Wednesday? Liverpool. Uh, we'll have it wrapped up by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll handle it in the first half, and we'll catch the City game. And put them to bed. Yeah, I mean, especially because the, head, the head-to-head matches that um, we've seen Arsenal and City play. City have just been looked head and shoulders above. So And now they're going to play at the Etihad. Um, it's- we'll, we'll see. We will really find out what Arsenal are made of. Because if they get a point in that game, it's up to them. Because, like, you know, everybody's talking like, oh, like, man, Arsenal lost the league. And, yeah, like, dropping these two points against us is a huge, huge, huge problem for them. But if they don't lose the city, the league is it's still in their hands. Mm-hmm. They're good enough to still they're, – they're more than capable of winning this league. All they have to do is draw and then keep the pace. But yeah. that's easier said than done, obviously. Much easier said than done with the way City look. But, hey, it's only, we'll take a point off them. Only one team has done it during Pep's reign of terror. And even that – Yeah, then down these – we will take a point off of Pep Guardiola. And his citizens. We got a little something for Mr. Arteta, a little, a little apology. I do want to talk about Bournemouth, though, because, you know, everybody's counted them out one way or another. I had them going down, um, you know, preseason, and then as the relegation fight's going on, you know, you just think, well, Bournemouth are going to be one of them. Ali said it a few weeks ago, just doesn't see it. But that's another huge result for them, like a 95th-minute winner. Those are the kind of results that keep you up is – you know, going away to Tottenham, you know, going up to one and conceding an 88th minute equalizer and still being able to come out of there at the three points is unbelievable. And don't look now, but they're fourth in the form table. They're fourth in the form table? Yep. It's crazy. And we got to play them at the Vitality. I Honestly, I would be scared for that match if they were 20th in the form table. Mm-hmm. It just makes it even worse, though. It's just... The Vitality Stadium is such a chaotic evil for us. We were talking about this. Selhurst, was it Selhurst is chaotic good? Chaotic. Vitality is chaotic evil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could not. I mean, the one game at Selhurst that haunts me is the one that Snodgrass scored in, and then we lost to the Jordan Ayew Messi-esque goal. We put Declan Rice on his behind. The Declan Rice clawing at the earth. The My, my personal favorite moment at Selhurst. Uh, was the the Hallair bicycle kick? That was that was at home. Was it at home? That was at home. Well, I guess I'll change it to the Lanzini goal. Which one? Um, the one from last year. Oh man, yeah. I was gonna pick a different Lanzini goal first, but I'm I'm with you, dude. That was which one? The penalty? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, man. No, yeah, he's Lanzini scored. You know, let's start him against Palace. He loves a goal against Palace. He can give us one more on his way out the door. I know he's got a little something for me. He's he's got one more for me. He always he, he just always does. He always will. He he has a place on this squad in my heart, however long he wants it. That's true. Maybe a new manager will come in and agree with me. Maybe it'll be me. Would you, and you're giving him the spot? Yeah. No, no, yeah. If 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 West Ham Called me up late May, early June, and they said, "Hey, we saw that football manager squad save you got going over there. You know, Oxford United looked pretty good in that save. We've seen your previous work. You know, some of these other clubs, Grimsby, Reading. 
you know, I'm I can't remember my saves from past games, but if they gave me the call and they said, Hey, we need you. I would say, Hey, extend Lanzini's contract and then give me a call. I mean, it's possible. Like maybe, maybe they're, they're impressed by what Will still has done. And, you know, they might not be able to reach Will still at that time, but why not find the next one? And who's to say it's not you? I mean, Will Still is one step away from me. If they get the Will Still, I can probably get in contact with him. Exactly. I had to stop playing to do this podcast, man. <laughs> Will Still is welcome on the podcast whenever he wants. If you're, if you're listening, Will Still. Will Still, you you have to come on the podcast. Like, you are required by law. <laughs> I can't help me. That. I have to ask my lawyer friends if they know. I'm allowed to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Or I can ask you. I can ask you. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, my humble, humble legal opinion. You can summon Will Still to the podcast, and if he doesn't come, he's arrested. <laughs> it's good news, man. We'll, we'll put in the call to his team. But yeah, Bournemouth is uh, <laughs> Bournemouth is not uh, a match to be uh, overlooked. Um, oh, absolutely not. This is a huge game. Yeah, especially because, you know, Traditionally, this is a, a t- their tough matchup. Uh, they've technically, like technical quality wise, they have it. That that front, um, they made some great signings in January. Yeah, uh, Dango Otara is one of them. Um, he's he scored the winner against Tottenham uh, off the bench too. That was his first uh, bench appearance. His first sub appearance uh, in the Premier League. He's, he's he's started every single game for them besides that game. He is, he is a problem. Uh, and what sucks about it is I do love the aesthetic of the vitality, like how it looks on TV and stuff, mm-hmm. obviously. And then just like the atmosphere in there seems great, especially for the away fans. So it's like I would love to see us get a result there. I can't remember the last time. Well, oh, no, the last time we won there. Did we win that game? Nope, that was the 3-3. Um, that's crazy how far out of my head I put that because I dissociated the goals we scored in that game from – the uh, Cal Wilson goals. Um, the last time we won there wasn't the Piat year, was it? I I, I can't remember. Um, it, it's also been a while since they've been in the Premier League, so yeah, I think it might have been the Piat year. But yeah, I would love us to go there and get a win. Um, our next three: Bournemouth away, Liverpool at home, Palace away. How many points? I'm pretty confident about the the Liverpool match. They their their away form has been terrible, uh, to put it lightly. And I saw that I saw that tweet mm-hmm. that they haven't they haven't uh, beat a team. I think it's been uh, outside of the top six away from home in a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the game today was at Ellen Road. Let me check game today was at yeah it was at ellen road but besides the 6-1 today leads is they've not, struggled. Is not a real football club so leads are not real yeah yeah the, i think that's definitely a match that we should be going into um you know looking for three points i mean yeah they're they're all winnable i mean liverpool are really off it this year and you know mm-hmm. we just showed that we can compete with arsenal so why can't we compete with liverpool obviously they have different players and we'll have different issues with them but these are all winnable games yeah i mean and, and uh we were unlucky at anfield um you know they, That's they very true. The goal, and then after that we had plenty of chances to equalize them and even 
uh, take the lead and you know it didn't come up. Jared Bowen. Yeah. Jared Bowen. And then Suchek. Remember Suchek? Oh, remember his voice reaction. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. Oh man, what a what a long season this has been. <laughs> oh, it's been a grind. You remember uh, the first Old Trafford game in the league when Rice took that shot from like thirty yards out and De Gea saved it. Oh man, ninety fifth minute. Carrera getting absolutely dunked on by Marcus Rashford. Ugh. When will it end? Um, and will it end with a trophy? Yeah. Um, sooner than you'd hope, I, I, I'd say. When you say it like that, that sounds like we're going out of the conference league on Thursday. <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see. Ugh. But give me a number. How many points? From those three? Um, four. Yeah, I was going to say four, too. I feel like... You know what? Let me go out on the limb here. Nine. It It's doable. No, it's, doable. I, I'm, it's doable. No, I'm going with four. Four is... it's. You know what? It's not doable, and I'll tell you why. Because we're going to the vitality this weekend. <laughs> four is, like, realistic. Six is optimistic. One is... One and zero are disaster. Four sounds just about right. Mm-hmm. And four would be perfect because, you know, I was looking at uh, based off points per game, it's going to take 33 points to stay safe in the league this year, and it would be Everton on 33 points in 17th, which would be the second lowest number of any team to stay in the Premier League since the 2010-2011 season. Wow. Yeah, usually 40 is the magic number, but it seems like like six or seven that don't get to 40. Yeah, so... We'll see, but we're on 31 now, four points from this week to put us on 35 with how many games would that be to go at that point? That would be... So it would be four. So we've played we've played 30 games, yeah. Oh, no. So there would be five games yeah. left. So, you know, sitting on 35 points with five games left, you know, against the Manchester clubs, it's tough, but you also have Leicester in there. Um, you have Leeds in there, I believe. Yeah. And then who's the last one? Um, Do we have to play Brentford again? Oh, yeah. So that's a loss. We have to play Brentford away. Oh, um, It's the game I'm most confident in losing. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd have us getting something over City first. <laughs> yeah. Brentford away is hopeless. They own us. Which is fine, you know. It happens. It happens. They win them all. Any team with the B and the R in their name, it's just kryptonite. I'd really like to get to this Brentford game on May 13th with, like, some cushion. Yeah, I don't want to go there needing something. But that four weeks from this – four weeks. Four points from this week to put us on 35 with a game against Leeds left in there, I think, would be nice because I'm confident in us getting something against Leeds. We could have easily won that game at Ellen Road. Um, them coming to our place. I know it's in a few weeks, but the way that they look now, if it keeps going like this, mm-hmm. we can be beating them, and then that would put us on thirty-eight. Which you know, you're effect- we're effectively safe at thirty-eight. It's the magic number. Oh yeah, point a game, we're safe. But yeah, for thirty-five after this week, one went away with five games to go. We'll get the job done. It it really feels like there there's a three that are that's forming. It's like okay. Like, yeah, the, 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 it's going to be a miracle the, to get these three teams out of the gutter. 
the shape of the season is coming together and it's becoming much more Everton and Leeds are the two who are really in it. Mm -hmm. But we still have to take care of business this week. I think we have to win a match this week, whether it's Liverpool, whether it's Palace, whether it's Bournemouth. If we win one, then we're sitting pretty. Then we look good. Then we can really go at this semifinal with everything we got if we win on Thursday, not to get ahead of myself. But, like, we win on Thursday. We win next week. Thirty and it's thirty-four points. You know, hopefully you draw one of the games, and then you can really start thinking about how can we win this conference league. And a lot of that, uh, a lot of that's going to be on Jared Bowen, as it always is. I would want it in no one else's hands. If he can continue his 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 good form, um, goal scoring and otherwise, um, I think that we'll be fine. I trust the king. I really do. And we'll see what we get from Antonio too. If he can, if he can hey, what he did against Arsenal, I I have no doubts that we're that we're. Gonna... I'm willing to tack on a few more goals for Bowen to have to catch up to to get that record. Mm-hmm. If Antonio can give us a few, there was a point this season where I was like, never play him again. Keep it at 56. Bowen will get there soon. But you know, get, get me to 58. Get me to 59. Get me to 60. Bowen's getting to 100. Bowen is trapped here for his whole career, whether he likes it or not. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I feel like the way he plays, like, you know, he has attributes that top top clubs can use. And maybe another coach comes in and, you know, coaches him and he gets a lot better in possession. But I just think that the way he plays, he kind of will get stuck here. I don't want to say stuck because, obviously, he loves it here. But it's it, it also comes with, like, you know, the price tag that we would ask for someone like him and, like, if the right club wants him and then if they, if he's their first option or their second option or their backup option. And I just feels like so many things would have to go a certain way for him to end up leaving us. He's only 26. He's going to be here for a long time. He's already got 26 Premier League goals for us. He's 30 behind Antonio. Yeah. That right. He scored. That right. what? He's, got, he's got five this year. He scored eight one year. He scored 12 the other year. Um, then he had the one when he joined in January. So, Hey, there's, I mean, if I, if I was a betting man, which I am from time to time, and if I could place this bet, I would. I think Jared Bowen, when he finishes his West Ham career, will be our top goal scorer. Yeah, I agree. I think that that, that award might as well already be his as far as I'm I, I, I don't know if that's a crazy – That I, I do think that's a little bit of a controversial thing to say because so many things have to go right to score 30 more Premier League goals for a club but i just think everything is working in his favor starting a family man he's got to stay around can't be moving this family around it's just that he's been even when he's had down seasons his he's still found a way to to get those goals for us i think he has another few in the chamber for us this year and another thing he scored a lot of other goals i mean he scored in the fa cup mm-hmm. he scored a bunch in europe yeah i think he's at though he's got i think he might he might be at double digit goals for the year now in all competitions I'd have to check, but he's definitely you know, he's. I think he's at ten. Sounds about right. Because he had the two, he had two against Arnaka. He had a penalty in the group stage, and then he had um, the goal in the qualifiers, and then he had the goal against Derby, and then he has five legals. He's back to his best. He said it himself. He's back to his best. And there's much more to come. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised he ends this year with seven, eight goals in the league or maybe like six in the league and like another few in the conference league and get us across the finish line. 
that's a goal in the final. That that's what he needs. He's he's well on his way. I I trust him to become a legend at this club. Mm-hmm. And twenty six goals for us in the league is already a damn lot. It's over halfway to second place on the list. Mm-hmm. If I'm I think if I'm correct because the Canio is forty eight, forty seven. I somewhere around that. Yeah. Yeah. So so hey. Bowen has, um, one, two. Six and he's eleven goals in all competitions this year. Eleven goals, which is crazy because he scored seventeen goals in all competitions last year, right? Mm-hmm. So is he really underperforming that bad, or were we all freaking out a little bit at the very beginning of the season? I th- I think that the performances were bad at the beginning. I'm not saying that they weren't. Yeah, but I think I think it's more a product himself. of us in general being, um, you know, bad. our luck. And, you know, I think that missing out on that World Cup squad woke him up. But I would also argue that maybe a part of the reason for his form was the pressure of making that World Cup squad. True. If the World Cup was over the summer, he would have gone. And then, you know, he would have came back maybe in a different way. Maybe he would have came back fat. Yeah. You know, Pyatt came back fat after Euros. Um, but hey. it, it, does, it does seem like he is o- not over the whole England international thing, but... He's, he's, he's gotten it. back to a point where it's like my perform like I need to focus on my West Ham performances and my those performances my, will yeah. dictate whether or not I'm brought back to the squad. I can't have that in my mind as I'm playing. Yeah, I think he's just much more comfortable with it now. He doesn't feel like he's fighting for a spot to hold on to, and then he's he's much more comfortable with himself mm-hmm. and just like in his own skin as a player. I mean, I'm sure as a person, he's fine. Like he's dating Danny Dyer. Yeah. Like, but that's another thing. Really gonna leave West Ham. Her dad is Daniel Dyer. How, how do you think that's gonna go over in the household, Jared? Think about that if you ever get a call from one of these top clubs. You don't wanna you don't wanna be pissing off the father in law. Can't go to Especially you got twins on the way. You just you can't he he approves of the song, man. You can't be doing all that. Happy wife, happy life. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.